Hey there, welcome to Crime and Mysteries, and today we have the story of Baby Hope, a crime that is sure to blow your mind. Now, this story starts in 1991, alongside the West Side Highway in New York City, where a group of construction workers discovered a blue igloo cooler. Now, the construction workers have been complaining about a foul smell in the area. So when they find this blue cooler, they want to open it and see what's inside. What they find inside will shock them. What they find is soda cans, and some water, which they believe to be some melting ice, and a bag. Inside the bag is a young child who is folded over in half, like a blanket. She is also tied up and naked. Now, I need you to picture this. This cooler is a regular cooler that we would be taking to the beach or to a barbecue. And inside this cooler, they put a small child and some soda cans on top of her, probably to disguise anyone that would have opened it initially and not think to continue to look inside. So obviously the construction workers call the local authorities, which is the NYPD. And when the NYPD arrives, they start their investigation and they found nothing really to indicate that this child had been placed on a missing persons report. Now, this is in July, New York City, where the temperatures are probably at about 80 degrees. So this body is in a state of decomposition already. And they're not able to do an accurate identification of the child. And they send the body for an autopsy. And with the autopsy, what they're able to see is that the child is approximately four years old and that the cause of death was asphyxia. Now, some other things that they reported in the autopsy, which I think it's important to tell, is that there was bruising around the wrists, that there was semen collected, and that there was hyperextended limbs, as well as malnourishment. They did begin to do a sketch when they found her, and they released the sketch but they also released a sketch along with the name Baby Hope. And the Baby Hope name came from police officers who felt that they identified with her, wanted to familiarize with her in a way, make her family, because no one had been looking for her. They had a possibly small child who no one was looking for, and they couldn't, I think, make sense of this. How is it that there is a child that is found dead in a cooler all on the highway and no one is looking for her. And what they decided to do was name her Baby Hope. So the sketch is released by the New York Post along with the name Baby Hope. And this does start to bring in several tips. And one of the tips that they get is that a woman who was driving alongside the highway remembers seeing a man and a woman pulling a cooler. Now, if you're familiar with New York City, it is not common to see anyone walking alongside the highway. 
We just don't do that. So anyone that claims that they saw a man and a woman pulling a, a cooler at this point is a viable source. So they do believe that this woman is telling the truth, but yet it leads to nothing. She's not really able to give them a description of the man and the woman. But at least it tells them that these people were walking and deposited this cooler themselves. The NYPD also received an additional tip, and this was from a photo studio owner. Now, the photo studio owner gave them some pictures that had been dropped off to be developed. And what was in the pictures was an adult man engaging in sexual activities with a young child. The little girl in the picture did resemble what they believe that baby Hope might have looked like. So they did go to speak to the person in the photo developing studio and the photo developing studio did provide them with a phone number and an address of who dropped off the film. The NYPD, the NYPD did follow up and they did find a crime, but not the one they thought. So when they did go to speak to the person that dropped off the film, they found the man in the picture was engaging in sexual activities with his grandchild. And they were able to press charges against that man, potentially saving other children who might have come in contact with him and preventing further abuse to his grandchild. But this did not lead them closer to finding information on baby Hope. Two years have now gone by, and in 1993, with no further tips on baby Hope, they decided that they were going to bury baby Hope. And the officers in the 34th precinct used their own funds to do the burial for baby Hope and to also buy her a headstone. Now, New York City rallied for baby Hope and they all showed up to the church and eventually they did bury baby Hope in St. Raymond's Cemetery in the Bronx. Now, I was able to get a picture of the headstone that they put for baby Hope. They put a shield and they included the three, four squad. They put two angels next to the shield. They put baby Hope's name. They placed the year and the month, July 23rd, 1991, which is when they found her. And they also placed the message because we care. But as they buried her, it seems like they buried the tips with her. Nothing really was coming about. They were no longer receiving any additional information on this case until the tragic events of 9-11. And the forensic scientists started implementing and finding new ways to be able to identify the victims of 9-11. And the NYPD was able to use some of these techniques as well for their cold cases. One of them being Baby Hope's case. So they made the decision to exhume Baby Hope's body and attempt to get a DNA sample from Baby Hope. And they were successful. So they did get a DNA sample from her. And they were able to run it through the database to see if there any other family members had come through or any other information that might be in their system that would tie anyone to Baby Hope. But they didn't. They found no direct 
family members for baby Hope. And again, they were at a standstill. Years again go by with no type of information. Until 2013. So at this point, we're 22 years after they find baby Hope. And they get a tip from a caller who recalls hearing a conversation in a laundromat in the Bronx. And she explains how two women were talking and one of them was saying the story of how she had a younger sister who had gone missing. And that she remembers seeing the baby in a fridge and then moved to a cooler. So she's retelling the story being a young girl. Her memories are from being a young child. Now, I don't know about you, but I have a good recollection of a lot of things that happened to me while I was a child. And I can say as young as four years old, I remember things. Remember family portraits. I remember family events. So I believe this is something that definitely stuck out in her memory. Now, what the NYPD did was that they went to the laundromat in the Bronx to speak to the owner. And the owner lets them know that the person that was saying the story was his niece, and he has heard that story before. He provides them the address in Brooklyn. And the NYPD goes to speak to his niece, Laurencita. So they track down Laurencita, who now lives in Brooklyn. And the NYPD specifically mentions that when they met Laurencita, she was a spitting image of what they believed that baby Hope would have looked like as an adult. So they start speaking to Laurencita and giving her information on the baby Hope case. And Laurencita now tells them that she believes that that could be her sister. She tells them that she has heard stories of a younger sister that she had who went missing, and she also has a recollection of seeing a baby in a fridge, and then she was gone. Lorencita provides them the name of her mother and tells them to go speak to her. The NYPD now goes to speak to Margarita Castillo. Margarita Castillo is now living in Queens. And initially, she declines to speak to the New York Police Department. She doesn't really want to get involved in this. Somehow, the NYPD gets her to provide a DNA sample. And once they provide, once she provides the DNA sample, they run it against Baby Hopes, and it's a match. They have found a direct family member of baby Hope. And once they confront Margarita with this information, the case opens up. Margarita begins to tell them the story of how she separated from her husband. And when he left, he took two of their children with him. Margarita went to see them and tried to see them where he was living at, but he gave her a really hard time. He was living with two of his cousins and she begins to tell them the story. 
Margarita explains how when she separated from her husband, he took two of their children with him. Margarita fought to get them back, but he refused. And Margarita was scared to go to the authorities because she was undocumented. This is hard for me to understand. And the reason why it's hard for me to understand is because I can't tell you personally that I know the fear that undocumented people suffer while being here in the U.S. But I do know that it is imperative to me to know that my children are safe. And by Margarita not knowing where her children were or if they were safe, I don't understand how she was able to live so many years in this uncertainty. But Margarita says she did see them a few times and then eventually they disappeared. She had heard that her husband, Genaro, had left to Mexico and she assumed that he had taken her daughters with him and she didn't have any further information on them. So she just assumed that her children were taken to Mexico and did nothing and said nothing. Now, eventually she did get a call from Genaro, who's the father, from Genaro's cousins, Conrado. And Conrado told her that he had one of her daughters with him and he was going to return her to, to Margarita. Margarita asked about her other daughter, which would have been baby Hope. And he said he didn't know what happened to her. Margarita also let the officers know that baby Hope's name was actually Angelica Castillo. So Margarita, the mother, never knew anything that happened to Angelica Castillo, also known as baby Hope. But she did get one of her daughters back. Again, she just assumed that Angelica must have been in Mexico with the father. Now, they able to then track down the cousin who returned the daughter to Margarita. So they went to interview Conrado, which is the cousin, and they found him working in Manhattan in a restaurant. When they went to speak to him, he did comply and he did come and speak to them and they went to question him. And this is where the story really unfolds. Conrado begins to tell them the story. So he lets them know that the father, Genaro, had come to live with him and his sister, Balvina, with the two girls. And that eventually, the father, Genaro, did leave to Mexico. And he left the girls with Conrado and Balvina. Conrado and Balvina did not want to have the girls there. But they also did not return the girls to the mother. So what they decided to do was starve the two girls, abuse the two girls, and leave them tied up to tables. Conrado also lets them know that one night 
in a drunken state. He rapes Angelica. And because she was screaming too loud, he puts a pillow over her face and suffocates her. So because Angelica was screaming too loud while being raped by Conrado, he decided to kill her. And Balvina, his sister, attempting to help cover up the crime, decide that they will put Angelica in a cooler and get rid of her. So what they do is they put her in a cooler and they take a cab from Queens, where they were living at, to Upper Manhattan. And they leave her on the side of the road. Then they head back home. And then they return the other daughter to the mother, Margarita Castillo. So now the NYPD presses charges against Conrado. And he was officially arraigned on murder charges on October 12, 2013. Unfortunately, Conrado did die while in police custody in 2018. And because of that, because the, case, the trial actually didn't take place, the charges were eventually dismissed because he died. Now his sister Balvina had died previous to this investigation happening. Now I think in this case, justice was definitely not served, but I think it shows the resiliency of New Yorkers, my New York, and the fact that till this day, the NYPD continues to maintain the headstone of Baby Hope, and they put Angelica Castillo on it as well. It currently reads Baby Hope, July 23, 1991, Angelica Castillo, because we care. I think Baby Hope definitely suffered more in life in her four years and one of the officers, Detective Resnick, also said that the abuse that she suffered in her four years of life may have been more than most adults suffer in 20 years. Thank you for joining us on Crime and Mystery. Follow us on Instagram at Crime and Mysteries.